120 Outdoors is a monthly podcast that looks at the hunting and fishing opportunities we all have close to home. Join Chris Paula and Don Klaus as they share personal stories, interesting facts, and interview unique outdoor personalities. Welcome to 120 Outdoors, where we talk about how to enjoy the outdoor opportunities we all have close to home. Hi, my name is Chris Paula, and I'm here with my co-host, Don Klaus. And today, believe it or not, this is our 10th podcast. How do you like that, Don? We made it to 10. We made it to 10. <laughs> it's been an accomplishment for us. So um, this is our 10th, uh, 10th podcast, and today we're talking about one of my favorite things to do. We're going to talk a little bit about bow hunting. Yep. This is the time of year. You can feel the chill, and uh, it's time to be, well probably after time to be talking about it, but it's not too late to be talking about it as well. No, it, it, deer, deer season is now open. Bow season is now open in, in the surrounding states to here we are in Ohio. Ours opened a couple weeks ago, and I haven't been out yet myself, but I will be out this week. I just wanted to wait for the, the, the leaves to turn a little bit and start to drop a little bit so I can see in the woods. So we're up and running here in Ohio, and I heard some good reports from uh, New York, and I also heard some good reports from uh, Pennsylvania, neighboring Pennsylvania. So um, our guest today, his name is Kevin Gallagher, and I won't go into a great introduction because I have that in the, the actual interview itself, uh, but he's a great bow hunter and, and has done all different types of hunting with a bow from recurve to, he's using a recurve now to a compound uh, to a crossbow. He tried to crossbow for a season and, and jumped back into uh, the compound hunting. So um, I think it'll be a great interview. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And he's got enough to tell us that uh, you don't need to hear a lot from us right now. So uh, Kevin's going to give you a few things to think about. So let's get to it. Okay, our next guest is Kevin Gallagher. And, and I know have known Kevin for close to 30 years now. He's actually my brother-in-law. And uh, we had Kevin's wife on earlier in one of our Women in the Outdoors episodes where his wife Jane talked about her love of the outdoors and bow hunting. And Kevin's the one that got her started in bow hunting. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Kevin. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Real good tonight, Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Uh, we yep. know we know you're a serious hunter and, and a bow hunter in particular. How about just starting us off with giving us a little bit of your your hunting story? How, how'd you get into that and uh, what drives you on that? Okay. Well, I would say... Um, when I was young, of course, you know, probably in the 10-year-old to 12-year-old range, um, my uncles were, at that point, you know, deer hunters themselves and always went to Pennsylvania and things like that. And I always tend to hear their stories of going to the to the big woods, you know. That's how my uncle always referred to it as the big woods. So, I can, you know, when you're a young boy like that, you kind of start, you know, dreaming and daydreaming in your head there and thinking, well, I'd like to do that someday, and you get the visions of the big buck coming through the woods and getting all excited and everything, and, and I, I guess that's kind of how maybe I got interested in it, but but I was fortunate enough that my uncle uh, saw that I was interested in it, and he started letting me tag along while he was rabbit hunting, and and that's how I kind of got the, the feel and the love for the, for the woods and the fields, and, and you know, just... I mean, I, I guess it was kind of like ingrained into me then, you know, how to how to um, navigate the woods and in and the streams and stuff like that, and you know, it, you know, it's just the, I guess my starting point, I, I guess, is you know, I was very young and, and 
lucky enough to have an uncle take an interest in me. Yep. Okay. Very good. That's great. I know um, you and I have spent a ton of time either hunting or fishing together over the years, Kevin. I know bow hunting is one of your favorites. Um, you got me back into it um, here. I, I do appreciate all your help again, being patient with me. Uh, but I know, tell us a little bit of, uh, about your, your bow hunting background, because it's interesting. Um, I don't want to give away all the secrets here, but I know you started with uh, a compound and did some experimenting. Where, where are you at now with that process? Yeah, I started out with a compound, and and I, you know, I was into that. And of course, I was young. You know, I mean, I was 14, 15, 16 years old, and and really, that's when the compounds were just starting to come in into you know play, and uh, the recurves were going out, and everybody had to have a new compound. Kind of like then the compounds phased out, and everybody had to have a crossbow. So you know, everything has like a, a cycle and a trend, but I, I just. I always preferred the compound. It was more of a challenge. And I went to the crossbow for a little while after my daughter was born as I got older because because of time frame, because, you know, you, you need to um, practice and, and you need to be proficient, of course, with, with your equipment. So, but I, I didn't really care for the crossbow. To me, it, it just wasn't bow hunting, in, in my opinion. And in, in fact, here the last few years, I've actually went back to the recurve just as my own personal goal and, and uh, to like refresh those hunting skills again and, and to just make it a challenge again. And the difference between that and the compound is, you know, you've got to get you know closer with the recurve and, and you're going back to instinctive shooting. And, and to me, that's something I really thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, you've had a lot of success with that recurve recently too. I know um, you've shared a lot of pictures with me over the past few years. So that may be one thing you're going to be teaching me here the next couple of years too. Um, Once I get really, really comfortable with my, my compound bow here, I would definitely like to try that again. Haven't done that since I was in high school myself. So I think that'd be cool. So, Hey, Kevin, Hey, one of the reasons we wanted you on the the podcast today too, was, um, you know, obviously talking a little bit about your background in hunting. We wanted you to take us through some, some tips and time savers here for, for those, of us that are, are back into the hunting game again, and just so we have, might have a little more success here um, the next year or so. So can you kind of take us through, um, you know, what you would suggest we start with here? Well, I, I guess if you're, if you're just um, learning or, or just getting interested in hunting, I, I think you need to stop for a second and ask yourself a question and ask, why do I want to do this? Why do I want to hunt? I mean, is it is it to put meat on the table? Is it about just going out for the thrill of the kill? I mean, is it about bragging rights? You know, the macho thing. Uh, hopefully, it's not about that. Hopefully, it's in my opinion, it's about being out in the woods and being with friends or being with a relative or, or son, daughter, wife. It doesn't matter. Somebody that thoroughly enjoys the outdoors with you. Uh, to me, that's what is important about that. About getting started in, into the hunting especially bow hunting. I mean, because it's, it's about getting close and personal to the game. And, you know, it, it's the thrill of the hunt to me. I mean, as far as being close and it's, it's just about being out, out in, in the outdoors. That's been my experience. One thing about bow hunting is uh, nothing gets you as close as, as being out there quietly in camo in the season when more things are moving around. So I, I agree with that. 
Well, hey, in our in our world, we like to say safety's first. So I know you've got uh, a little story for us about about safety. Uh, this isn't exactly bow hunting, but how, how about sharing that with our with our listeners? Well, okay. Well, this unfortunately happened to a, a friend and a coworker of mine, and, and it did happen during a, a deer gun season. It happened on a first day of gun season. And um, I didn't go along that day. I killed a deer with my bow the previous week, and I and I chose not to go. And he asked another person to go that had never hunted with the group before. And um, they put on a small drive, and they were able to get a deer up. And, and my coworker and friend, he, he shot the deer. And they all huddled up, you know, to, to help him with uh, dressing the deer and tagging the deer. And... When he was done with all that, they're ready to drag the deer out, and you know they all picked their guns back up and they were leaning against the tree. And the new guy to the group obviously didn't have his safety on or the gun unloaded. And as he turned, his gun brushed up against a limb or something like that, and, and the gun discharged and shot my buddy point blank, basically through the pelvis. And the sad part about all this is, is naturally, you know, he was injured. And he was paralyzed, basically, in his left leg. He, he's disabled now. And, and this has happened, uh, you know, probably 20-some years ago, or close to 20 years ago now. And he, he, he survived, luckily, but, but disabled, you know. And not only – what to me is so sad about this is he um, – the, the scarring on his body is horrendous. And the, the mental the mental scarring, not only for himself – but his children, his wife, um, me, myself, as one of his friends, I mean, there's always that, um, wow, this should have never happened. I mean, this is a simple, we could have, you know, unloaded the gun, put the safety on. Simple, simple safety. You know, the simple rules out there that, that weren't adhered to that caused a person to suffer basically now the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point, Kevin. It's not only the, the, your your hunting buddy there, but his his family too, and and his hunting buddies. You know, you're one of them. Yeah, you yeah. know, and, and he has suffered now financially as well because you know you, you have all those medical issues the rest of your life to deal with. And um, I, I guess my point to this is, you know, it shouldn't have happened. A senseless act like that should not have happened. It, but it did, and. You know, and that, that's one thing I've always tried to teach anybody and everybody that I have taught to hunt is there is no deer on this earth worth getting hurt or dying over. It's, it's just an animal, and I don't care whether it's a, a doe or a, a you know, 200-inch buck. It's not worth getting hurt or dying over, you know. And yeah. I, I guess that's my number one thing is, is teaching new people to hunt is to think. I mean, I know you get excited if you get a deer. It's, it's part of the hunt. It's part of the thrill of hunting. Is yes, you do get excited, and people start getting nervous and jittery. And I understand that. that that's why people hunt. I mean, it, it's you know, it's a, it's a thrill. But at the same time, you got to keep your wits about yourself to stay safe. And not only for yourself, but everybody around you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because we're always using deadly equipment. Um, because we exactly. need to exactly 
and, and, you know, and Chris and I have talked about this before, and I've said it a hundred times, it doesn't matter whether it's a firearm or a crossbow or a compound bow, a recurve bow, um, something as simple as even slipping with your knife if you are cleaning a deer and dressing the deer. I mean, there's horrible, horrible stories about there of, of people slipping and, and stabbing themselves with a knife and not making it out of the woods if you hit a major artery or something, you know. And it, it's stuff that can all be prevented if, if you just take a moment to, have, you know, use some common sense and try not to get too excited. And, you know, and if you're teaching a youth, especially, and this happened with my nephew, he shot a very nice buck the very first time I took him hunting in the youth gun season. And, and he was hopping around like a like a cat on a hot tin roof, you know. And the first, first thing I did was like, give me that gun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I took I took it out of his hands, and you know, and, and this is the reason for the youth hunting is not only to train these kids, but but to point out their mistakes so they don't do it again in the future, you know, and yep. to make themselves safe and, and and other people. But I took the gun out of his hands. You know, we took all the ammo out of the gun and put the safety back on it, of course. And then I, I sat him down and calmed him down before I I let him take the knife out of the sheath to start dressing the deer. You know. And, and finally, you know, he, he calmed down to the point, got his breathing back to normal and stuff that, you know, yeah, I, okay, I can do this now, you know. And, but, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a thrill, especially for a young person, you know. And, uh, but, you know, like I said, you know, it, it's, it's about safety. I mean, once again, you know, there's no deer out there. And I'm not talking even just any animal. There's nothing out there worth getting hurt over. So. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just, just take your time and think, you know. Well. To stay with the safety, uh, we know that you've got some uh, bow hunting safety for us. You mentioned that those have some dangers too, and and we know that because the those blades are sharp and uh, climbing trees and tree stands uh, uh, has its own uh, problems with gravity. So why don't you share some of your thoughts on that for us? Right, right. Um, well, like I said, when you're preparing your your bow hunting equipment, you're putting broadheads on your arrows and stuff. You know, invest in a in a broadhead wrench protect your hands, wear a glove on that hand that you're using the broadhead wrench on. And if you're using the proper broadhead, it should be razor sharp. And, you know, they're lethal. You know, you don't want to end up slicing into your hand or something like that and end up going to the ER. And instead of missing, you know, an evening hunt, you might miss six weeks of hunting if, if you end up really hurting yourself and needing surgery or, or stitches or something. So once again, you know, you got to be very, very careful and, and you know, use your use your wits about yourself when you're preparing. You know your equipment. So, but with that, um, and and the safety part of it, um, I know a lot of bow hunters like to use tree stands, and and I'm one of them. I'm a tree stand hunter. But um, once again, I've, I've told Chris this many many years when he started getting back into bow hunting and started putting up tree stands. I, I number one rule is never do it alone. Always have somebody with you, as it's not only is somebody to help you carry and lift, but but also if something did happen, if you slipped and fell or twisted an ankle or, or you know, God forbid, you're up on the platform attaching it to the tree, it, once again, you should have your harness on even while you're attaching your tree stand to the tree. But, you know, always have somebody with you in case you do get hurt because they can help you, you know, or, or get help for you. So... You want to be very, very careful about tree stands and, and always wear your safety harness and, and have, you know, 
I mean, just just be careful. I mean, pay attention. So, um, I, I know guys that, and this is something I never do myself, is um, they'll go hunting with a friend or, or somebody like that that has already previously put tree stands up on a piece of property, and they point you in the direction and say, well, that tree stand will be over there. You can hunt from that one today. Well, once again, don't hunt out of somebody else's tree stand that you didn't help put up that you don't know anything about it and you might be getting into it in the dark, don't do that because you could slip and fall. I mean, that tree stand might not have been put up properly and you, you might, you know, you might be the safest person in the world, but that person that put the stand up might have missed or overlooked something and you crawl up into it 15 feet off the ground. The next thing you know, you're, you're laying there in a pile, you know? And so, you know, tree stand safety is big in my list too, right up with, uh, you know, the firearm safety if you go out, you know, with a gun or across the boat, you know. So safety is safety's big. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now I'm sure there's been a lot of broken necks uh, thanks to trees. Oh, yeah. It, so. it, you could, it's very dangerous. Um, you know, one of the other things, too, uh, Kevin, you and I talked about, too, and, and basically I guess you could call it a float plan. Like let's say we're going to go out and fish Lake Erie. We let everybody know where we're going to go fish on Lake Erie. And you mentioned to me it's not a bad idea to let people know what area you're going to be hunting, too. God forbid anything happens, they at least know where to look for you if they don't hear from you. And I think that's a, a really good tip. I haven't done that in the past, so um, uh, you and Don, you and Don basically are the only ones that know where I'm hunting. So I'm gonna, you guys are gonna be getting texts from me in the morning where I'm going at least at four o'clock <laughs> yeah. in the morning. So right, right, exactly. You know, and there again, it's like communication is huge. You know, you got the, you know the ability to uh, verbally tell somebody, say, hey, I'm gonna be say on the southwest corner of the property today because of the way the wind is blowing today or you know like you're saying text somebody you know before you get to the tree before you get out of your vehicle say all right i've just checked the wind i i definitely will be hunting the southwest corner of the property today in tree stand number two you know and and have there again somebody that that helps you put these tree stands up and knows the locations of these in, in case you don't come back out of the woods at dusk or, or you slip and fall or say you do get a, a, a deer that you can't drag out on your own but yet you don't want to leave it because you're so proud of it at least somebody knows where to look for you you know yeah yeah so, but but no i mean you know draw a little map i mean leave a map on the kitchen table so leave a map on the dashboard in the seat of your vehicle so somebody has a clue like to where to start to look because sometimes you know uh, minutes make all the difference you know i mean you know you might think well if i slip you know okay i'll start a little fire or something keep myself warm well you know what you might be incapacitated and can't do that Uh, or you know you know, heaven forbid, as you fall, your your phone goes flying out of your pocket ten feet away. But yet, you know, you you break both of your legs and you can't reach it. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios out there that could happen, and, and you do, you don't want to be in that position. You know, you want somebody somebody to be able to find you as fast as possible if, if an accident does happen. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I think that is a really good idea, and I will be doing that this year. Yeah, um, right. So look forward to my 4 a.m. text messages, just so you know. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. <laughs> there again, you know, I, I would rather have that, that message at 4 o'clock in the morning and, and know than to be sitting here at, you know, 4 o'clock in the evening and say, well, how come he didn't come back at lunchtime? Yeah, you know? yeah, he didn't hear from me all day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and, and if something like that would happen, then you could 
you can direct, uh, you know, firefighters or police or, you know, somebody out there, you know, anybody that can, can help search and rescue, you know? Yeah. So, no, that's, no I mean, that's, that's, that's big in my book, too, is always let somebody know where you're going to be approximately, you know? Yep. That's that's good for us all to hear, whether whether new to the game or uh, or veteran. That's a good to, good yeah, thing to remember. Exactly. All right. Well, hey, we've got uh, we've got safety pretty well covered, I think, for this. How about let's transition and get to how we get some success out there, and uh, maybe the preparations that we uh, we need to think about right now. Okay. So, well, I mean. Along with the preparation, probably the number one thing is, you know, of course, you, you got to decide what you're going to hunt with, whether it's a bow or a crossbow or a firearm, and, and practice with it. I mean, you have to be very proficient with it, not only for your safety, anybody's safety with you, but also you're out there to, to uh, take and harvest an animal, and you want to do that as quickly and cleanly and proficient as possible. You don't want an animal to suffer. You don't want to make a bad shot if you can possibly help it. You, you want to, you, if you want to take a shot at the animal, and you should be able to kill it fast and clean. I mean, be humane. I mean, that's what it's all about. Because you know, you're you're taking the life of the animal when you hunt, and and you want to do it quick and clean. In my book, I agree. You know, yeah, I agree. You want to do it right. If you're going to do it at all, you got you want to do it right. So, so that's what I would say there, starting with, with your hunting equipment. And along with that, when I say practice, I mean, I'm talking like, don't take it out of the box and shoot it six times and say, all right, I'm ready to go. Now, I mean, you should be shooting consistently. I mean, and I don't care what you're hunting with, but you should be consistent with it and know it inside and out. And, and like I said, that, that's the best way, in my opinion, is, is, time after time after time constantly use it and, and use it throughout the entire year don't don't wait like two weeks before season and say all right well i'm going to get my bow out and shoot two dozen arrows out of it tonight and, and i'm ready to go i i don't think so you know in, in my opinion you're, you're you're not ready um you should be very very consistent and and, and know that to where in your mind you know i can effectively kill with this weapon whichever you're using and and you want like i said you want to be humane right? and there's nothing that i hate worse than like after gun season i have found numerous deer over the years that were either gut shot or they were shot in the legs and, and then died from you know who knows what you know and, i mean at that point they're yes they're coyote food but but still it, it shouldn't have happened right and i i, I hate to see it i mean that just to me, that's just a horrible, horrible waste, and to me, that's a slob hunter, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so, one of the things I know you gave me uh, as a tip here, Kevin, and it's um, one of the things that I didn't really think of, it's been helpful, uh, is practicing with your, your hunting clothes on, you know, yeah. your hat, yeah. your gloves and stuff, because, you know, it's it's one, one thing shooting at 85 degrees in a pair of tennis shoes and shorts, that's a whole different right. ball game than all of a sudden you right. put a glove on and hats and then you're sitting down, um, you know, practicing yep. from a sitting position. It changes everything. And I know that made a big yep. difference for me last year. Uh, remember, we couldn't figure out what I, why I was shooting high. And here it was uh, when I would release. Remember, the bottom limb of the bow was hitting me, was grazing my leg. 
and right. and causing the boat, causing my arrow, my shot to be off. And here we, once we finally figured that out, we had to change my stance a little bit. I'm right. I was right on the money. Right. So that just goes to show you how important practicing is, you know, practicing and then practicing with your gear on how important right. that is. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, when you add layers of clothes, all of a sudden, you know, your arm gets a little thicker, a little fatter from all the layers of clothes on. Next thing you know, your, your bowstring is brushing your your sleeve on your arm, even though you might have a uh, an arm guard on there or, or something like that. But you can still slap that with your bowstring and it's going to throw your shot off, you know, yeah. your arrow. Might hit high, might hit a foot low, might hit two feet to the right. You don't know. I mean, it, it all depends on, you know, how bad you hit your arm or, or get a bad release, you know, because of the clothing or something like that. And another thing I see a lot of people do is they stand in their yard and they shoot at the same target, the same distance, the same spot, night after night after night after night. Well, okay, well, naturally, you get accustomed to shooting, say, it's 15 yards, okay? Well, yeah, I could shoot bullseyes all night long, too, if I only shoot 15 yards every night of the week, day after day after day after day. you you got to break it up. you got to change distances. you got to change angles and pitches. Um, shoot uphill. Shoot downhill. And another thing, too, I see people do is they stand while they practice. Well, nine times out of ten, you might get caught off guard sitting in your tree stand and might have to shoot from the sitting down position. All right? Well, you should practice sitting on a stool or a chair or a five-gallon bucket or something, and, and you know, while you're practicing, and and be proficient in in all ways, not just standing there shooting the same distance night after night after night. Yeah, that's a great point. I know it's been helpful to me. That's for sure. Right, right. Shake it up. You know, I mean, yep. shake it up and try something different. You might be shocked to see all of a sudden, boy, I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we talked about practicing with the clothes. Uh, let's get to the next thing about the clothes. I know scent is a big deal uh, in bow hunting, right. and uh, it's a big deal for you. Uh, right. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you manage your scent control. Well, um, naturally, the, today there's all kinds of products out on the market. I mean, that, that has really come a long way over the past few years um, with, with uh, clothes, you know, uh, soaps that you can wash your clothes in dryer sheets um you know I, I know the old school guys like my uncles used to uh, wash their clothes with just plain water and then throw them in a garbage bag with a bunch of leaves like the leaves that they had raked up to get like the leaf the natural scent into their leaves well now i, I don't think you want to do that so much now because of the tick problem we have out there you know you could be sweeping a bunch of ticks up and putting them in your clothes <laughs> yeah that's true um, right but but there again um you know Keep your clothes washed, and especially early season when you still have some warm days. What I like to do myself is like I like to have um, like two or three changes of clothes, camo clothes at least. So, so I'm always washing and cleaning a set of clothes while I'm wearing a set, and you know, and you're rotating them out. And, and keep keep yourself clean. Of course, you know you want to shower yourself and use scent-free soap and, and and things like that. And uh, but you're, you especially want to keep your clothes clean because they will absorb you know odors around you and, and i see guys in their camouflage standing at the gas station filling their tanks up in their trucks heading to their you know their hunting spot and, and i just shake my head because i'm thinking you're, you're touching the gas pump and, oh, you know, and, and the odors are coming out of the you know 
out of the tank at you and your clothes are absorbing the gasoline smell and you know, and there's a guy standing on the other side of the pump that just put out his cigarette before he starts filling his car, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, now, like me, and Chris, you, you've seen this when we've hunted together, I've never worn my hunting clothes in the vehicle. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we've, we've got them put in a, in a scent-free bag, and then you get dressed where you're ready to hunt. You know, and, and to me, that is one of my ways, as far as scent control, to not pick up anything between the house and where I want to hunt. Yeah. You know, that includes not wearing my boots and not, you know, not wearing the hat I'm going to hunt with, or, of course, my coat and my pants, you know. And, you know, how many times, you know, we got dressed standing alongside of the truck in the dark because, you know, you try to keep yourself clean, you know. Yeah. I remember you even change your socks, too. I mean, even though you're yeah. not, the boots are being, you're wearing the boots over top of socks, of course, but you change everything. Exactly. You know, and, you know, once again, you know, you, you try to be as clean as possible. But, but with that being said, and I've, I've said this a million times too to people I've taught to hunt, is even if you clean your clothes and you do all of that, and that's fine, you need to do it, but you still need to use the wind to your advantage. You know, you're you're not going to beat that deer's nose. I don't care who you are. And and several times, I mean, I hear people come back from hunt and go, well, I didn't see anything today. But yet, a guy on the other side of the property had 10 deer come out past him on the other side of the property. Well, he was hunting on the right side of the wind because when the other guy went into the property, he had the wind wrong and he blew the deer out of the property, you know, because his scent went to the deer before he even got to the property as soon as he got out of the truck. You know, so you you got to be smart about hunting with the wind and as well as keeping your clothes clean. It's funny because I remember that one time, Kevin, I don't know, remember where we were hunting exactly. But uh, if you remember, the guy was smoking a cigar in the woods. Remember that? And yep. you and I could smell the cigar smoke. If you know, if, if you and I are smelling it, you know, the yep. deer are smelling it. Um, exactly. I, I have no we have no idea who this guy was or where he was near us. Apparently, we were, right. you know, downwind from him. But obviously, we didn't see any deer that day because the whole woods smelled like cigars. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, – and I'm sure he didn't do it on purpose, but uh, I bet he didn't see anything either. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that might have been one of those guys that, you know, it wasn't about killing a deer. It was about just being, about being in the woods and being off work that day. So yeah, he yeah. Care. He didn't care if he smoked cigars all day. Yeah, yeah. But, Yep. While we're talking about the wind, Kevin, I know I've learned over the past several years now about how important the weather is. And I know you're you're a, a big uh, fan of watching the fronts, especially in the in the during the rut or before rut. Um, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, how you use the weather to your advantage when you can.
weather forecast. I mean, if we're going to get a hard, cold frost or, or a, say, a, a late afternoon rain or something coming in the next day, I mean, you can you can bet I'm, I'm going to be in my stand the next morning. And, and I'm going to put as much time in as I possibly can that I, you know, can, can stay there until the weather makes it to the point like, all right, I, I don't want to be here anymore, you know? Yeah. But no, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of success just watching the weather patterns and, and seeing how the weather front is coming in, and it, and it just it gets their activity levels up, you know. And uh, you've seen it over the years too, Chris. So, I mean, with the muskies, you know. I mean, yeah. You know, you've always said it too. I, I, I like to hunt the front, you know, and, yeah. and fish the front. It's, it's the same principle, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely something to it. That was a good example last year, Kevin. You remember that um, freak snowstorm we got in early November? Um, it was right before the rut was just get, getting started. And I'll never forget that. We got like a foot and a half of snow overnight. Right. And I was hesitant to go because the weather was so bad and you know, just driving up in the, in the blood, near blizzard conditions. But anyway, I dragged myself out there. And you know the story, but I'll tell the listeners. Right. But I get to the tree stand and sit down. It was like mid-afternoon. I was going to hunt till dark. And I know sooner, you know, I get I get settled in my tree stand. I don't even have my bow ready. There's a buck walking right by. And I wasn't prepared for that. It was a nice buck, too. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know. I'll have, I remember texting you, too, and you're like, just sit there. You're going to be fine. Then, but maybe 15, 20 minutes later, here comes another. I mean, it was a parade. Unfortunately, the first one was the only one that came close enough within shooting range, and I wasn't prepared. But the other ones I could see but never came into range. And that night, that evening, I saw five bucks. Right. Um, and it was because of the weather. And um, so right. I, I totally agree. I, I, I will be definitely playing the weather card more this year uh, than I have in the past. That's for sure. It definitely makes it, especially, like you said, during the rut. Right. Yeah, like I said, I've, I've always liked to hunt the weather fronts. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something I told my wife. I said, I can feel it in my bones. I said, something's going to happen today. And, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've gone out and done that and, and killed a deer, you know. So, but, you know, after a while, after, after you do it enough years, you, you start to get, you get punches, you know. <laughs> like, why well, I just, something's telling me I need to be there, you know. Well, that comes from all your experience, absolutely, yeah. Right, right, yeah. exactly, exactly. All right, Kevin, there's one other important thing we need to address, and maybe, the, maybe we missed uh, doing this sooner, but, Scouting is a, an important part of bow hunting, and uh, yeah, that, that's part of the preparation. Yeah, it's it's up yeah. there at the front. But uh, why don't you give us the, your angle on uh, scouting, what you look for, and and uh, how you prepare for a season? Well, um, number one, I mean, you, you got to remember, pretty much the deer is is driven by food, by mating, you know, and and. Uh, and drink, they gotta have water. So, and, and there again, that goes with the preparation for the season. So, number one, I start looking for the acorns early because deer love acorns. 
And if acorns aren't available, all right, the, do you have a, uh, a food source from like a farmer, like uh, soybeans or, or corn or something like that? And, you know, you start looking and searching for these areas to, you know, find out are the trails leading to what food source early in the season. And, and of course, that's going to change as the season progresses into the rut season because then they're going to change over and think more about, you know, mating. But they still are going to need water, even though they're, they're mating. Um, you know, they have to stay hydrated. So you might want to think about knowing on the property that you're going to hunt where these pieces and parts are all located and approximately what time they'll use them. You know, as the season changes, they'll change their their ways, their patterns. And also, you've got to be aware of, they'll change with hunting pressure. So the more the more you hunt the property, the more pressure they're going to feel. And if you're pressuring them too hard, they'll either change the time of the day that they're using the property, or they'll just even leave the property and, and find a nice, quiet place to go, you know. But, but those are things you want to start in my opinion, with the preparation, and I'm talking like clear back early in the summer, I mean, you, you want to find out where these food sources will be, you know, and um, so that's what I would say with preparation there as far as, you know, scouting, and, uh, and of course, along with that, then if you're a tree stand hunter, you're, you, you start naturally looking for a good tree, you don't want to put your stand in a, in a tree that has died or an old ash tree that is dying, or, you know, something that could fall on you or, or your weight could bust it or something like that. I mean, there again, you know, take all this safety into mind as well as, you know, looking for that perfect place to hunt, you know? So, you know, you got to put all the pieces of the puzzle together is what I, I guess I'm getting with here is, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta put it all together and then, and then make it work, you know? Yeah, no, that, that's a great point. It's a great point. And I, I think it all gets back to, you know, you have to be willing to put some time in the woods um, you're just preparing, right. like you said, looking, getting, you know, getting to know the travel routes when they're moving right. to and from the food and where to, when they're going to water. I know it's not easy, but uh, you got to kind of carve out time to do that, to, to really be successful right. consistently. Right. You no, know, that, that has come a long way too with, with the new trail cameras and, you know, the spy links and, and all that stuff, you know, that you can use. Um, you know, I'm still a little old school. I still like to kind of go out and you know, and hang out along a field edge in the evening with a pair of binoculars and, you know, just kind of look around and see what's coming to the fields. And, and, but, you know, not every deer, not every mature deer is going to make himself visible during the daylight. So, so you need to look for other sign too. You know, you need to look for naturally like good sized rubs on the trees, uh, scraping areas. Um, and there again, and, and you'll find this out after time, after years of, of hunting a piece of property or something like that. There, there are dumb and fawn trails and there's also buck trails. And, and you know, not that a buck won't follow a doe down the doe trail. That, that will happen during the mating season. But, but in times prior to that, when the, when the deer is in the seeking phase and stuff like that, there are smaller, less visible buck trails that a buck will travel to like parallel a doe and, and see when she's ready to come in into season, you know? So, and, and there again, these are all things you'll learn after time. And if, if you pay attention, you'll, you'll pick up on these little things. So, but those are things that, you know, you'll teach yourself to look for. Or if you, if you're lucky enough to hunt with somebody that has, a, you know, been doing it for years and years and can teach you what to look for. 
No, that's a great point. Great point. All right. Well, hey, I think that's a that's a good helping uh, to get us going for the season. Uh, it's on our doorstep here, so it's uh, uh, I guess it's past time to be thinking about many of those things. But uh, yeah, but uh, that's good info to get the juices flowing. So. Well, you know, it, it, it's never too late to start. You know, I mean, you, you always hear the stories of the guy that, you know, hey, I bought a boat today, and uh, he shoots six arrows, and he goes out, you know, two days later and sits in a tree stand and, you know, kills a 180-inch deer. I mean, there's, yeah, yeah. There, there's always those stories out there. But but what I'm getting at is consistency. I mean, if, if you're going to be a consistent hunter and, and uh, set goals, you know, cause I, I know guys that, that set goals, and, and I've been fortunate enough to, to teach that and ingrain that into a couple of my nephews that hunt. And, and now my wife is even also starting to do that. It's like, you know, in my opinion, I'm out there to see deer, to see game, and I enjoy watching them. And when you watch them, you learn. And you don't have to kill every deer that walks past you. It is perfectly fine to let several deer go by every year before you harvest your first deer. And, and learn from that. You know, watch what they do. Watch where they come from. You might pick up on a bedding area where they're coming from that you didn't even know existed. You know, you know, be out there educating yourself. And and as you do that, you'll become a more consistent hunter over the years, and you'll be more proficient. And and believe it or not, sooner or later you'll get to the point like, well, that almost felt too easy. Like you know, like. I know guys are like, man, I've hunted for 10 years and never even got a shot. Well, obviously you're doing something wrong. You're, you're not paying attention to the wind or, you know, there's several things that could have happened. But once again, I mean, if, if you get the opportunity to hunt with somebody and learn from somebody and then start picking up these little tips and clues, you can educate yourself, you know. And, you know, the, the biggest thing is get out there and enjoy it. You know, it, it's not about killing all the time. It, it's about going out there and, and enjoying the great outdoors, spending it with time with family, friends, whatever. Um, like I said, some of them, I can honestly say some of my best days of hunting, and, and there are probably a lot of guys who are shaking their head right now going, oh, my goodness. Some of my best days of hunting have actually been spent with my wife in the woods. Yeah. And, and <laughs> just, I mean, just to see the thrill of when she got her first deer, and she was so excited. I mean, it happened so fast, she didn't even realize she had actually killed the deer. Yeah. Because she didn't realize when, when she shot it with an arrow that, you know, it's going to run off and you've got to follow the blood trail unless you spine shoot the deer and drop it to tracks. But more than likely, it's going to run off and you've got you to blood trail it. And when, it, when that happened, the deer ran off and she, she looked at me with like this bewildered look on her face and she goes, what just happened? And I go, well, you just killed your first deer. And she goes, <laughs> He goes, what do you mean? She goes, it ran away. I go, well, trust me, it's up there, it's dead. I heard it fall down. I mean, I, I heard it go down. I mean, it, it's okay. And, of course, we give it some time. You know, you never, as soon as you shoot one, you know, you never, you never get up and chase it immediately. You want to let it lay down and, and die. And so we waited a little bit, and then I showed her where, you know, the deer had been standing. Of course, I showed her how then she looked for cut hair, and, and then you start to look for the blood, and then you follow the blood trail. So these were, that was a teaching moment right off the bat for her, like her second day of hunting, you know? And, um, so from then on, I mean, she picked up on that really fast and, and she, she's, uh, 
she's to the point now she hunts by herself. She don't even need me to go with her. But those, you know, 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, when she first started to learn to hunt, I mean, it, it was just something that she, she didn't understand until she was taught. And then, like I say, then after that, you pick up on these clues and you educate yourself and you learn from that and you progress. And, um, and if you're not learning, you know, you're, you're not enjoying it, you know, because every time I go to the woods, as many years as I've been in the woods, I'm still learning something every time I go. And, and if anybody can tell you they can predict every move a deer is going to make their line to you, because I've had so many deer that I thought I had down to a science that here they come down the trail and they're 30 yards away and then they do something totally different than they've never done before, you know, and it, it's an educational thing. Yeah. But, like I said, it, it's, it's about being out there and enjoying the great outdoors. I mean, I, I, I've let so many deer walk past me in my life. I mean, probably somebody would look at me like, are you nuts? You know, but but like I said, I, I enjoy watching the does and the fawns, you know, come past. And, you know, just watch it. I mean, and so many times, um, believe it or not, you see other game as well, like turkeys. Turkeys will come through. Um, I've seen fox, coyotes, you know, and, and one thing I love to watch is uh, an owl. You'll, every once in a while you'll have an owl come through the woods. And, you know, it, it's about the whole experience. It's not just about going out there and killing something. Yeah, you know, that, so, that, that's a great point, Kevin. Right. You know, it, it, it's about enjoying nature. And, and with that being said, also sometimes uh, harvesting a deer is part of enjoying nature. Because yep. It's the thrill of the hunt, and at the same time, you're putting food on the table. And, and, my, and my wife is an excellent cook, which you know very well, Chris. Yep. My wife is an excellent cook, and, and honestly, Pete, I mean, there's been times I've come in and sat down for dinner, and I'll say, man, I said, this cow we got from my nephew is excellent. And she'll look at me and she goes, that's not cow, that's deer. And I'm like, Are you got to be kidding me. I mean, she has some unbelievable good recipes, and, and if you do it right, and, and then it, it starts from the moment you harvest the deer, from the point of dressing the deer to cooling the carcass to skinning it is all important how you do it. And you could probably make another whole podcast on that alone, is on how to maintain and take care of a deer from the time you harvest it. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. talking about that too, Kevin, you know, that uh, down the road we're going to do something with that, you know. I know it's kind of hard to describe how to field dress a deer. What do you do? Because like you always tell me, you know, shooting a deer is one thing, but the work really starts after the deer's down and you start to, you have to field dress it and prep it, you know. Exactly. And, and believe me, there, and when you do that, the meat, you, you'll definitely know the difference in the meat, whether you have done it right or wrong. Well, I see some of these guys during the gun season shoot a deer on Monday and they're still dragging that thing around in the back of a truck on Friday showing all their friends and, and dragging it through Walmart's parking lot showing everybody. Yes. And, yep. and, it's like, <laughs> and it's laying in the back of a truck at 70, at 70 degrees. Oh, jeez. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I know it's November, but, you know, we've had some warm, warm days lately in November anymore, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to me, that deer was a horrible, horrible waste as far as I'm concerned. You yeah. know, I mean, and what, what a shame, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, like well, I said, you know, it, you know, and I, I have a daughter that I literally, I'm not joking, I have to fight with her when I'm cooking beer on the grill. I literally have to say, you know, do you mind if I have a piece of that? Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, she's eating it as fast as I bring it off the grill. Yeah, she'll, and, she'll fight you for the back straps. You know that. Yes, exactly. So, you know, how, how many people say that about, you know, their, their, their 
young daughter, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, my daughter just loves deer meat, you know, and, and she does. I mean, but she she sees how it's prepared and, and how the deer was harvested and, and all the care and effort that was taken to make that deer into a good meal, you know? Yeah. And, and like I've taught anybody that has hunted with me, anybody I have taught, you do not kill that deer. You do not take that deer's life unless you intend on eating it. And you use it properly because I love to watch deer as much as I like to eat one. And, and then to me, it's just a horrible, horrible sin to see somebody waste a deer. Yeah, we agree. Uh, you got to respect that animal. Well, exactly. Well, hey, we're going to leave that uh, that uh, hand, deer handling and cooking for another episode. But uh, okay. we appreciate we appreciate the education uh, you've shared with us and our listeners. I got to think. Uh, uh, even a seasoned hunter will get something out of that. So, uh, yeah. but we appreciate your time and, and sharing all that with us. That's good stuff. Any, anytime, guys. I'll and timely. Here. Yeah, timely too is right. Yeah, just, just number one rule be safe and, re- and remember there's not a deer out there worth getting hurt or killed over. And have a great, enjoyable season. Make, make memories, take pictures, take tons of pictures, and, and show everybody down the road. I mean, that's what it's about, you know, yep. the memories. And, and like I said, enjoy yourself. Enjoy the great outdoors. Enjoy nature. And, and uh, don't get hurt doing it, you know. I mean, and you'll have everlasting memories to tell the grandkids and, and, you know, best friends or whatever down the road. That's right. That's what we're going to do. And uh, we hope you do the same. And uh, you and Jane have a, have a great season this year. And Kevin, you know I'll be talking to you almost every day. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no all right. I, I, I hope, hey, I hope you get a big one this year. Yeah, so. yeah, we're gonna try for sure. So, well, thanks, thanks again, Kevin. Appreciate your time. Yep, thanks, Kevin. No problem. I, I hope, I hope things were helpful for you. So. Yep, very good. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, that's it with Kevin. Um, hope you got something out of that. He gave us uh, a lot of things on the plate that uh, I'm sure many people understand and if you haven't thought about it for a year it's probably good to be reminded of it once again so uh, using some of those tips uh, is going to make you a better bow hunter and uh, we've talked about it before chris but safety is a big deal with us and uh, yeah kevin is on board with that and he gave some very good tips for that as well no it's every time i'm with him we always review it's it's funny how he's always joking around when we're we're not hunting but actually when we are hunting it's it's a totally different ball game with him and and it, it should be and i know I'm, I'm with my grandson or something like that it is it's different we aren't fooling around we uh, definitely when we're hunting it's a different story simply because of the weapons we're using i don't want anybody to get hurt it's a blast but yeah things are deadly let's that's face right it. yeah and after we we shoot the deer we make sure the guns are loaded and we feel dressed and then we celebrate mm-hmm. you know at that point but no i i I do appreciate everything my brother-in-law has done for me over the years too, uh, deer hunting. He's been a great resource. I talk to him almost a daily basis now. I'm sending him pictures on the trail cam, and he's sending me pictures back and forth. Uh, it's pretty comical how we're trying to do each other with pictures now. But it's uh, it's just great to have somebody like that uh, who's not only, like I said, he's not only my brother-in-law, he's a friend of mine too. So it makes it really easy to to you know, to dr- drop some ideas or bounce some ideas off somebody. Yeah, and we got to hear he's a stickler for detail. You know, yes. I got to admit the gasoline thing, I, that might have escaped me, you know, yeah. but yeah. Uh, it's just, it's all good advice. You yeah, know? it really is. <laughs> it really is. 
Um, one other thing too, folks, um, if you could find us on our Facebook page too, we'd love to see some pictures of the deer that you've harvested this year. I'll put some pictures of my brother-in-law's deer that he harvested the past few years. He's got some really nice deer uh, on our Facebook page. It's 120 Outdoors. And then you could just go ahead and drop us a note and um, you can drop us some pictures on there if you want to. We'll make sure that we post them on the Facebook page. Okay, so once again, it's 120 Outdoors Facebook page. Now, we, we've talked about hunting today, and, and for good reason, because like Chris said, we're right in it, and, and it's feeling great to be out there to hunt. But don't put the fishing rods away yet. If you put your boat away, you can still get that rod out. There's going to be some nice days that are uh, that are coming for us, so uh, there's some fall to be enjoyed, too. Oh, absolutely. Steelhead just starting to run now. We need some water, but it won't be long for the steelhead fishing to, to peak, too. Yeah. Now, no matter what you're doing out there this fall, uh, one thing to, to keep in mind, whether you're fishing, kayaking, just out hiking in the woods this time of year, uh, it's good to remember that you are sharing the woods with, and waterways too, the, with the duck hunters, sharing the woods and waterways with hunters. So even if you're not hunting, uh, think about that. And if you have an orange hat, good idea to put it on uh, when you're out and about now. When everything's brown and uh, and hunters are out there with guns, so something to think about. Good idea to wear. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yep. Well, anyway, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Till next time, get outdoors and do something in your 120. 120 Outdoors is a monthly podcast focusing on hunting and fishing opportunities within 120 miles of your residence. We will share stories and interview interesting people. Find us on social media and be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on any podcast app. Thank you.